that once we were alienated, that we were under your wrath, but by your grace and mercy, we now have peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. Awesome. <clears throat> sure. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> Yo. Okay. Oh, there we go. We're going old school. Like, throw this. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> when I first started preaching, I used one of these, and then I got used to it, and then I went to the wireless one, and it was just weird for me. I couldn't figure it out. Anyway. Yeah, I'm going to preach a sermon tonight, and I, I realize that some of the topics I'm going to hit might be, might be a little bit controversial. I don't mean them to be. I don't want to preach a sermon just for the sake of being controversial, but please hear my heart on them. That I think these are things that affect us as people and as a church, and we need to speak about them. And uh, I'm not targeting anyone, but the Bible is very clear on certain things. That I, uh, if we can't speak about it in church, where can we speak about it? So, as far as I can see, all the kids have gone to kids' church. Ooh, what's he going to talk about? It's getting serious. Okay, so all the kids in kids' church, that's good. Okay, fantastic. All right, so. Uh, I'm going to preach from the book of uh, Proverbs, and uh, so as a church, we've been reading through Luke and Proverbs, and uh, I want to read from a passage in uh, Proverbs 4, uh, and it really is an incredible um, passage of scripture, and I think relevant to, to a lot of us in where we're at, and uh, I, w- I went to a funeral on Monday, uh, my cousin passed away, he was 37, that was really young for a man to pass away. And uh, anyway, he had his own struggles. And, and then Heike went to a funeral on Saturday for a man who was 70, not even 70, also passed away very suddenly. And uh, so it's been very present in our minds, this thing of, of the life that we live and how we live it and how we lead the lives that we have and what we do with them. And so let me read our passage and then I want to break it down a little bit for us. I will probably be preaching a little bit more expository tonight, which is always a favorite. Okay, so Proverbs 4, 20 to 27. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. 
for from, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder, your, ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the left or to the right. Put your foot away from evil. Now, it's an incredible piece of scripture, and it's found in a book of Proverbs, and this is Proverbs 4, which fits into Proverbs 1 to 9, which is the first uh, part of the book written by King Solomon, who was the son of David. And we know Solomon asked for the gift of wisdom, and so he writes these things, and the, the first nine books are instructional for people to follow in regards to life. And often you find new believers, they will pick up the Bible and they'll read Proverbs and go, this book is amazing. It's telling me how to live my life. And yes, it is in many ways. It's, 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 it's incredibly practical. But also, it's a great guide to how to live our lives and how to really just walk this Christian walk out. So I want to focus uh, very quickly on the passages 26 and 27. And we will kind of get a little bit into 25 as well. Okay, well, let me start with 25. So it says this, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the left or to the right. And I think this, this passage is so clear and it's going, well, as you walk this path of life, be very clear and intentional on where you're focusing and looking at the final destination. It says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Now, gaze means to look intently or steadily. So if, you, if you're married or you have a girlfriend, you will gaze into her eyes lovingly with intent because you love them, hopefully, okay? Husbands, gaze at your wives, okay? But there's this thing of, 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 of gazing and being steadfast in what you're doing and moving forward on this path as we walk through life. Now, I, I don't know if you've heard this phrase. Uh, in the military, they have a phrase called eyes front. Is that it? Yeah. Eyes front. He was in the military. Okay, only a few of us. Uh, well, not me. I was in cadets. So um, I did cadets at school. Every Thursday, we wore a brown uniform with a beret. And then, and then literally for 45 minutes every week, we'd march around the field. And then the guys who didn't want to march were in the band, and they were like, and it's like, what a waste of time, seriously. And then, I promise you, we practiced for months, because then on the big parade day, this guy from the military came to watch us march. And, uh, and you, basically, all cadets says, you spend the whole... The, all those months, making sure that you're marching in time with the guy in front of you. Bro, and as I'm going past the guy in the front, I can just see my leg is wrong. And I'm like, there's nothing I can do. Like, I'm just going to keep going. And, I can, and I'm just going, this is like literally the worst. But, so I messed up the whole parade, unfortunately. But uh, I wasn't very good at that. But we had a thing called eyes front. And it was this thing of fixing your gaze forward and waiting for the next command. It's almost like a call to attention. In the army, you kind of snap and you go, okay, cool. What is the next point? What am I doing? And it's this thing of moving forward or moving with intention or moving with purpose. And uh, I love the way this passage says it, but it doesn't only say that. It kind of, you know, you get this picture of this person walking with purpose and walking fast forward, okay, like moving in a direction. But there's no point moving in a direction if you're not looking where you're going. 
Okay, so you can be going, yes, but you walk off a cliff. Okay, it's counterproductive. You, you're being intentional. You're walking. You're going, okay, I see. I need to go. I'm fixing my gaze on the horizon. But you're not looking at anything other than the horizon. Then eventually, you might fall off a cliff, which is not good. So, Scripture then goes on to say this. It says, ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. I, I love that word, ponder. I don't know. It just, it's one of those English words which are just super cool. Like... You know, apart from just being uh, focusing on the direction and going, it says, actually, wait, do that, but think through very carefully where you are putting your feet as you walk. Okay, so ponder, another way of saying ponder is way up, okay, or, or think through at length. All right, so if, you, if you're walking, you're kind of looking, and, and there's, different, I mean, there's different ways of walking. We hike quite often, and... Uh, as you might know from our Instagram. But when you're on a path on the mountain, you can be walking on a path, and it's quite a, a, a kind of a, a chilled path, and it's quite flat, and it's, it's quite, a, a, quite a pleasant path to walk on. But there comes other times where you're walking up a mountain, you need to be very intentional about where you put your foot. Because there could be consequences to putting your foot in the wrong place and going, well, I'm putting my foot here, and I'm not really looking where I'm going. No, you need to ponder very carefully where your next step is going to be in order for you to get where you need to go. Okay, does that make sense? All right, so we are called to ponder the steps of our feet, of our, of our, our feet and where are we going. So we do well as believers to really think through our steps and what they mean for us in the kingdom. And this passage also seems to imply that as we weigh our steps, we should weigh them in light of scripture and of wise counsel. Okay, so often when we are weighing our next step in life or weighing what we should do next, often there's a, it's a good thing to go, well, I think I know what the right thing to do is maybe I should get perspective and ask people, and I'm going to give you some steps on how we do that now. But it, while, you, while you're walking and, and placing your steps, are you, are you seeking people out? Are you asking people to help you in a decision-making process? Often when we're walking in the mountains, I'll follow where I've seen hiker walk before. <laughs> I mean, this is dying inside study, but it's fine, don't worry. We all, we, we, we could. <laughs> so often when we're walking, I will, if I'm walking behind someone, I'll watch where they put their feet. Or if, I'm, if there's a tricky part, we'll get to a thing where there's maybe staples or ropes. I'm going, put your foot here, put your foot there, do this, do that, okay? That's an imp- I think it's an important part of, of, of weighing up and pondering the steps that we're taking in this path of life. And so some practical tips is when you're making up or thinking where to move next, where you thinking, I mean, it could be anything. The next step could be, where am I going to live? Your next step could be, what job am I going to take? Your next step could be any number of things that have a consequence on, on where you're going in life. And I think we need to think through these things carefully and not just barrel forward and go, well, I, I'm just going to go this way because I think this is, this is I'm just going to do it. And so the first thing would do, weigh up your steps in light of Scripture. Well, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to go, I don't know, what's an obviously bad job? Um, retail. retail. <laughs> I'm going to go into retail. No, I don't think Scripture's got a problem with retail. 
pyramid scheme. <laughs> okay, no, okay, now we're getting sketchy. Okay. But weigh up your decisions in light of Scripture. Before you take your next step, before you, you take it, ponder, think through, weigh up in light of what Scripture says about what you're going to do. If Scripture clearly says this is not something you should be doing, then the pretty obvious, don't do it. Okay. Because 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Okay, so we should always go to Scripture and say, what does the Scripture say about this I'm about to do, the step that I'm about to take? The second thing I would suggest before we, as we ponder this, this process of walking our life out is ask for wise counsel. How often do we ask for wise counsel before we make big decisions? I think it's important. It says, where no wise guidance is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counsels, there is safety. In the wisdom of many, there is safety. And I think there is. I think we, we need to go, well, what do you think about? And again, don't go to just anyone. If I'm going to make a massive financial decision, I'm not going to go to Rosie and go, Rosie, give me your thought, give me your perspective. Is it Alan Gray or is it Investec? No, I'm going to go to someone who's, who's maybe walked or knows a little bit more about that stuff. Is there anyone who knows about financial stuff? No. And I go, okay, I'm trying to think who I could ask. Debbie, I'll go to Debbie. Samuel. Oh, Samuel. <laughs> I'm going to go to someone who's got experience and go, what do you think about this? Is, it, is this a good thing? Should I, should I do it? And then seek wisdom from God. Don't make decisions just based on your own feelings or emotions or your whims. Actually seek God and go, God, is, is this something that you're wanting me to do? Is this a direction or a step that you're wanting me to take? And here's the thing. I think sometimes we can get frustrated because it takes time to ponder and weigh up steps. And we want to walk quickly because we live in a society that is so quick that you're moving at 100 miles an hour and God's going, just wait. I haven't finished telling you about this step. And you're on step 900 already. You're like, gone. Before you get to 900, just get to one. Okay, seek wisdom from God. And James 1, 5 says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives gener generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. So we ask God for wisdom. Kim, do you know you can ask God for wisdom in situations? And then you can go, to, this is a great situation, you can go to Margaret, who is wise, and, and ask her for counsel. And go, Margaret, what do you think? Give me your thoughts on this. And then Margaret say, let's go to Scripture together. And so the, the perfect trifecta of awesomeness is going on here, right? And that's just for one step. Now, again, hear me, I'm not saying for every little step, go, Margaret, can I go to the shop because I really want to buy a Coke? Okay, let's weigh it up. <laughs> what does scripture say about Coke? Well, Coke is obviously evil, so no, you shouldn't go buy Coke. Yeah. Coke Zero, on the other hand, is incredibly, um, is actually the opposite. <laughs> Don't tell me that. I'm trying to be healthy. Okay, so we take our time to ponder and think through the steps we're going to take. And we seek godly wisdom, and then we obviously seek the Lord. And then it says this, it says if we do that, if we ponder the steps of the path of our feet, then all our ways will be sure. I don't know about you, but I would like all of my ways to be sure. It just feels like there's a re reassurance in that, right? There's, there's something of a security going, I feel like I've done, I've done what I need to do in order to make this step. And then God goes, yes, 
I think there's great comfort in that. In all your ways, we'll be sure. Now, we read this passage and we obviously then need to be very aware that as much as it's talking about looking straight ahead and gazing forward and moving and pondering the steps of our feet which are important and, and our ways will be sure, it also gives us a warning. It says, do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Now, who's ever swerved in a car? Cell phones. <laughs> Lance has just admitted to looking at his cell phone in his car and swerving, so we can pray for you later. But swerving is quite a radical and drastic action. I don't really like swerving. I mean, it's not like you're turning or you, you're doing something. It's, a, it's a, a, a massive correction in another. It's moving quite violently in a different direction. Actually, the definition of swerve is change or cause to change direction abruptly. And so scripture says, do not swerve to the right or to the left from the path that you are taking as you ponder your footsteps. We all know that feeling of, of, of kind of swerving one way or the other. And I, I want to talk about one right swerve and one left swerve. Because there's many swerves we could talk about. And actually, while I was thinking through this passage, I was like, God, there's so much we can talk about. There's so many things that distract us and pull us off the path. What do I talk about? Like, I could ask any single person in this congregation, what is what, one thing that has caused you to swerve off the path in the past? And I get any number of answers. And so I'm going, what do I talk about? Do I list 10? Do I think of one or two? And I'm like, well, let me just go back to Scripture. Let me actually just go back to my passage. And so let's look at a left swerve. And I'm just using that word. It's not a biblical term. So, okay, there's no such thing as a left swerve in the Bible. So let me look at one that is common. So if we go up our passage by one verse, we get to verse 24. Proverbs 4, 24. It says this, Put away deception from your mouth. Keep your lips from perverse speech. Now, that's not the controversial one yet, don't worry. <laughs> but that's quite stern. And I think what he's talking about is, I suppose we would commonly call it, he's, what do we call it? Gossip, slander. I heard this phrase recently, which I, I just thought was, I like alliterations. It's called twitching tongues. <laughs> doesn't that seem like a perfect illustration of gossip a twitching tongue and now that there isn't actually that isn't about gossip that's just something i heard somewhere else but i thought it was quite good and actually here's an interesting point often doctors can determine the state of your heart by your tongue that they found this in research that a lot of people who have the same microorganism on their tongue will have severe heart issues. And those who don't have that microorganism will. So they can test your heart by your tongue. It says this, the researchers then found that those participants who had chronic heart failure had the same microorganisms on their tongue coating. I mean, we're getting very technical now. Well, healthy people had similar microorganisms. 
there was a distinct difference and no overlapping. It's interesting, eh? You think, well, science is just caught up with Scripture. Because Scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So in 2023, we're just realizing that there's a connection between the heart and the mouth. We're going, if the heart is sick, the mouth is sick. If the heart is well, the mouth is well. <laughs> or we think of um, James. This is, yes. <laughs> this, is such a, this is such a wild scripture. James didn't hold any punches there. Eh? I mean, if you read the book of James, that guy, is, he's, he's in there. So the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. <laughs> We need to be very vigilant over our mouths and guard our hearts. We need to be careful that as we are riding along that path and weighing up our steps, we're not swerving and, and swerving off the path by something as trivial as gossip. Because gossip will take you off the path and lead you down another path, the path that you don't want to be on. Can I say this? I don't think I've ever seen anyone walk in everything God has for them when they've struggled with gossip. That thing can disqualify you. <laughs> Psalm 141.3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I, I, I'm very careful about what I say to anyone. If someone says to me, Hey, have you heard? I'll be like, that, that person hasn't told me, so I haven't heard. So I'd rather you don't tell me. Or if someone's asking me a question, I'll say, you know what? Uh, this person, it's that person's story to tell. Why don't you go ask them? Because so quickly you can get caught in that thing of like, hey, have you heard? Have you heard? And then we love it. What's the latest news? <laughs> And before you know it, you've swerved off the path and you're going down this path. And, and I promise you, yeah, let me not say that. I think we just need to guard our mouths and guard our, guard our lips. I really do. I, I mean, I, I, and hear me now, because we all, all <laughs> maybe you're doing this, you're going, 1 Timothy 5 says it's the gossiping widows. And so all the men are looking around the room going, that's <laughs> all the ladies are gossiping. <laughs> men never gossip. No. No. It's not, no. There? This is not a, this is not a them or us. It, guys, everyone does it. We're so quick to justify it. Ah, it's the widows. Ah, it's not me. Next day, hey, Brew, have you heard? So-and-so, have you heard? Brew, have you heard? That's gossip. If they haven't heard, they haven't told them. It's not your place to tell them. So, young guys, <laughs> set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Make sure that you're not swerving down that road and getting lost. 
that your heart is not being filled with deceit and coming out of your mouth. Guard your heart and your lips. Okay, that's the one. I'm, I'm not going to preach very long tonight. And then the second one is, so we've swerved to the left, and now we're going to look and go, what is something that we can swerve to the right on? And for that, we need to look at Proverbs 5, which just comes after Proverbs 4. <laughs> and this is Solomon again speaking, and he says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my insight, that you may maintain discretion, and your lips may preserve knowledge. Though the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to Sheol, hell. She does not consider the path of life. She does not know her ways are unstable. Now we're getting serious. Because I think this is something that needs to be addressed in the church. And I think we can skirt around it so much and go like, well, there's certain things we don't want to talk about in church because they could be considered impolite. And I'd rather actually now and, and, and say these things in front of a lot of young people and people in church who are coming up and are starting their journey in Christianity and go, guys, this is something to be careful of. What he's talking about really in this case is adultery, but he's talking about sexual immorality. And I, I wish as a young Christian, someone had just had said something over them, had been the boldness to say, guys, run away from this stuff. If you see a sign saying, right, run, go as fast forward as you possibly can away from this thing, because it will eventually destroy your ministry and your witness. And I'm not doing this to shame or condemn anyone, because I was stuck in stuff for ages until God finally freed me. But I wish I'd never started. I was actually talking to someone recently about this. And so often you see incredibly talented and gifted people in the church and they're, and, they're, and they're in churches and they're starting church and they've got amazing gifts, incredible gifts, teaching gifts, preaching gifts. And then you hear the stories. One story after the other. I think last year just this person's fallen. This person's fallen. Another one caught in adultery. Another one caught in sexual morality. Another one caught in this scandal and this scandal and this scandal. Because they never dealt with it when they were younger. They never made that conscious decision going, if this right hand swerve ever comes up, I'm going so fast past that thing because it will destroy my ministry. And you see so many men who get disqualified from leading. And this might sound heavy, and I don't mean it to, but, like, but like you, you see these men who have built up these incredible ministries and they get caught out and they get caught in sin. And let me say this, and I don't say this lightly, but they will never walk in the full inheritance that God had for them. Never. That is so sobering. That is so sobering. They will never walk in that inheritance. It's gone. And you go, well, how do you justify that in Scripture? You look at Hebrews 12 and Esau, who, who it says Esau, who was, did not be like Esau, he was sexually immoral and sold his birthright. And though he sought it for, with repentance, it was not granted to him. He couldn't get it back. 
And so I'd rather be real with you now and go, young men, run away from sexual immorality. Because it is so pervasive in our society. I read a stat recently in 20, I think 2011, one out of five people were exposed to sexual content online. Last year, one, four out of five. Every day, constant. That's rampant. And the enemy will use that against you. I hate seeing pastors fall in this stuff. And I'd rather warn you now and go, you're young men in God. God has a, a purpose for you. Young men, again, yeah, thanks for reminding me. You see, the thing is this. We go, gossip is just for women. Sexual immorality is just for men. No. That four out of five is not men. That is teenagers, 16 to 18. That is everyone. This thing is destroying people everywhere, men and women. According to research conducted by the Barna Group, 64% of U.S. Christian men and 15% of U.S. Christian women admit to watching sexually explicit content 12 times a year. What's a big deal? It's once a month. <laughs> it's once a month. No, it's once a month. Once a month, you are destroying your witness, and you are trifling with your inheritance. Twenty-five percent of pastors admit to currently battling with pornography or sexual addiction. I've been meeting with my leaders lately and sitting with them and going, "How are you doing in this? Are you okay?" Anyway, there's a whole bunch of more stats that I want to get into. That just gets depressing. So I would say this to the young men and the young women in the church. Put, put sexual immorality to death. And I, I wish I could say it in a kinder and gentler way. Let me, try, let me try to say it a little bit more gently. Put sexual immorality to death. <laughs> I mean, it, it's cancer. What do you do with cancer? You kill it. You don't entertain it. And I'm just going to keep a little bit of cancer here because actually I don't mind it. Just a little bit. The thing will kill you. And I, I'm not saying this to condemn anyone. If you, and I know as, as I struggled with this as a young person. I know, I know there will be people here who are struggling with it. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm really not. I'm not saying this to frighten you or to scare you. I'm saying, I'm saying this so that you would speak to someone and go, this is an area of weakness in my life. When I see that swerve to the right, I'm, I feel like I'm going there more often than I should. Please, can you help me? Because I want to walk in the things that God has for me. I want to walk in, in everything that he has for me. I'm struggling in this area and there's grace for you. There's grace and forgiveness and mercy and people will come alongside you and go, let's walk this thing out. Let's get you past it. 
I've spoken to many men who for years have struggled with it and they've, they've found freedom and walked away from it. And it's an incredible place to be. Not to be stuck in shame and disappointment, always feeling like you're not good enough because of, of, of this thing that keeps hanging on to you. No, there's freedom from that thing. I, w- I would ask you, please speak to someone. Speak to me. Speak to one of the deacons. Speak to the comedy. To speak to someone you trust in the church. Just be open and vulnerable and go, man, I'm struggling with this thing. Because that thing will rob you. It will rob you. I think back of all the years that I was in church and just not getting anywhere, not doing anything. There's constantly cycles of shame, disappointment in myself. And the enemy will keep you there as long as you let him. So please don't hear that as a rebuke. I'm an older man, I'm 46. <laughs> <laughs> not that old okay let's just relax a little bit here but I'm an older man who's walked a little bit further down the road and the sooner you limit the number of detours the better <laughs> because I, I can promise you this you might get past that little left swerve of gossip awesome thank you Jesus and then you go a little bit forward and then you, you might eventually get past that little swerve of the right swerve of of struggling with pornography or sexual immorality. Thank you, Jesus. Do you know what? They're not just two swerves on the road. <laughs> you will be facing these things your whole life. And so we, we need to, as a church, come alongside and go like, where are you? What are you facing? What, what, is the, what is, I think this is a good question. What is the one swerve that you're always facing and struggling with? And how do we get you past it? It could be anything. I've just named two based on this one passage of Scripture. Verse 24 and then verse 5. That's two out of a hundred and million different things that can cause us to, to go off the path. And so maybe a question, if, you, if, you, if you're in a comm group, maybe, maybe we do this for the first comm of the, back from comm on Wednesday. Hey guys, welcome back to comm. So what is the thing that causes you to swerve the most? Let's start with... We can't talk about being family and accountability if we're not going to do that. Yeah, it's getting dark now. <laughs> I've got the light. I'm, like, I'm starting to see people now. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> okay. Walk on the path set before you and look straight ahead. Let's get past those things. Let's help each other to get past those things. Okay. Let me just read my passage one more time. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. <laughs>